What's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshavsky, and welcome to episode 114 of That Remote Live podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today is a little bit of a different episode. Uh, I'm really excited for it, though, because I got to bring on my friend Chapin Cruder uh, on the podcast, and uh, I've been on Chapin's podcast, Misfits and Rejects, before. I have a link to that episode uh, in the show notes, but Chapin recently attended the Nomad Capitalist Live event uh, that uh, Andrew Henderson's team put on in Playa del Carmen uh, just this past weekend. Uh, And I didn't get to attend that event. If you guys know Andrew Henderson, he's been on the podcast here uh, once or twice, I believe. But I didn't get to attend the event, but Chapin did. And I was really curious what happened at that event. Uh, I saw some posts and I saw some stories. And so I decided to actually bring Chapin on and talk about his experience at the event, what he liked, uh, what he didn't like, what he found the most valuable, what his favorite speakers were, what were the people like there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, during this interview, uh, this kind of chat with Chapin, you're going to hear all about that, like why he went there, what he was looking to get out of it, and just a general overview of what the event was like, what were the topics discussed, and what were some of the biggest takeaways that Chapin got from attending the event. Uh, It's an event that I hope to attend someday soon. Uh, It just, things just didn't match up right uh, in order for me to attend this year, but I'm very interested in what Andrew has to say. Um, Like I mentioned this podcast, one of the things about the Nomad Capitalist brand, I think, is I've met a few people that are kind of, they don't agree with the ideas that Nomad Capitalist stands for, or maybe they don't like something about Andrew. I'm not really sure, but there's people who don't necessarily like the brand. And here's my thing on it. I don't think you necessarily have to agree with everything that Nomad Capitalist stands for, all of Andrew's beliefs. He, for example, I think one of the things that he gets a little bit of flack for is that he, uh, you know, got rid of his American citizenship, which is like an aggressive idea. It's an aggressive thing to do. And I think some people are kind of like, oh, I don't want to do this. Uh, He did that. That's not for me. I don't think that that's what Andrew's talking about or anything like that. Um, But I think that you don't have to agree with everything to know there's a lot of valuable things that Andrew talks about and that his team does. And so that's why I'm really interested in it. Even if you're not someone who maybe subscribes to everything that the nomadic capitalist stands for, I do think it's a good idea to, you know, pay attention to what they're doing because they're doing a lot of work in a field that's very much related to online business and being a digital nomad. Uh, and, and it's important to know all of those things, even if you don't agree with everything that they believe or everything they do. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation. I had a lot of fun talking with Chapin and understanding exactly what the event was like and, you know, what were his favorite talks and stuff like that. So uh, if that's something you're interested in, this is the podcast for you. We kind of dove in deep on all of that and we got to discuss it and uh, maybe, you know, Chapin's experience and what he kind of, uh, you know, overviews as the event can help determine if the next time that they do this event, if it's something that you should go and check out. But 
Before we jump into the episode, uh, as always, I'd love to hear what you think about this podcast. Uh, I've made it super easy for you guys to leave a review. Just head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL and write a review. It's just that easy. Literally just go to that URL, uh, type it into your browser right now as you're listening. If you're driving, wait but type it in, go over there, leave a review, guys. Seriously, I love seeing the reviews. Uh, every time there's a new review on the podcast, I see it spike in the charts. So seriously, the, you guys leaving reviews, uh, writing a review, uh, it's it seriously helps a ton to get us in front of more eyeballs and get new listeners. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast, uh, definitely head on over and check out uh, our YouTube channel. I post all of um, the podcast episodes as videos so you can not only listen to us you can also watch us and kind of uh you know get that experience as well so to find that just type in uh mitko karshovsky m-i-t-k-o-k-a-r-s-h-o-v-s-k-i into youtube and that will pop up i know that my name is a mouthful I'm working to, uh, you know, get the YouTube algorithms to show me for shorter things like my uh, Instagram handle, Mitkoka. Uh, I'm trying to like really rank it for Mitko, like my name, that remote life, but it takes time. So at the moment, if you want to find the YouTube channel, either just click on the show notes that, you know, in the app that you're listening to, and you can go and actually watch uh, the episode on the video and make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss another video or just type in my name Mitko Koshovsky into the search bar and you will find it. But all right, you guys, uh, that's it. Without further ado, let's jump into this interview with Chapin Kruder and let's chat about the Nomad Capitalist live event. All right, Chapin, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Great, Mitko. Good to see you again, my friend. I know it's been a little while, even though uh, we did get to talk recently because you were helping me out with my surfing. So thank you for that, first of all. Absolutely, man. I was happy you're getting some waves and it sounds like you stood up on the first wave. So that's great. I know it was a a ton of fun. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, like why I contacted you with surfing. But yeah, you know, I I was I went down to Sailita in Mexico and uh, it was a ton of fun. It was my first time surfing. Uh, I have some experience windsurfing, but it was just so much fun to like get those waves. And the second day, man, the waves were like way bigger. And I was like, oh, I think this might be uh, a little bit uh, above my training. But it was it was a ton of fun. But yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do. And uh, basically what we're going to focus on today, uh, you recently went to the Nomad Capitalist live event. And so, uh, you know, I thought it would be fun to jump on together and chat about your experience there, what you liked, what you didn't like about it, so on and so forth, since um, Andrew, he's been on the podcast before. And I think it, you know, uh, for many people who weren't able to be there, let's at least try and see, you know, what kind of value we can add to them. But before we dive into that, um, tell us a little bit about what you do. And uh, I think that will explain to people why I called you first when I went to go surfing. Absolutely. I got into my entrepreneurial journey, online entrepreneurial journey in 2015, started a YouTube channel called Surf Progression Techniques, where I kind of broke down various professional aspects of video footage of the professionals doing different surfing techniques that could help maybe translate into people's progression. Then I moved into doing 
online like personal instruction where people would send me their footage and I would analyze that and help them progress. Then I created a surf course, which I've been marketing now for quite a few years to not much success. But um, yeah, simultaneously, I started a podcast as well, Misfits and Rejects, and that's how we met. And prior to all of this, I was living in Nicaragua for 10 years running surf tours. So that's my background. I've been in surf instruction for a long time. I've been in tourism for a long time, hosting retreats all around the world. And find myself currently in Playa del Carmen, as you noted, for a conference, not where I reside. I'll be heading to the west coast of Mexico on Monday to get some waves. Which part of West Coast, Mexico? I'm going to fly into Cehuatanejo and then go north about two hours to a little town called Barra de Nexpa. All right. Nice, nice. Well, um, what, you know, sort of diving in to the topic at hand, um, what decide, like, what made you decide to attend Nomad Capitalist Live? Like, what were you looking to get out of it? I'd interviewed Andrew, like yourself, a few years ago, and I actually got an invite from Andrew's assistant uh, before the event had um, started. And then COVID hit, and I had committed to going, but then COVID, so I had to wait a year. And then when the invitation came back around, of course, I jumped on the opportunity to come down and be a part of it and kind of just see what he does. And I've been following him for a long time. I admire what he does with his ability to help individuals get second passports, minimize their tax responsibility and incorporate businesses and, you know, get bank accounts around the world. I had kind of done something similar in Nicaragua, but the nuances of what he does was really intriguing to me and trying to, since I'm not a seven to eight figure entrepreneur, um, I figured I might be able to figure out, you know, a few less expensive ways by coming to the conference and, you know, optimizing my tax responsibilities and maybe getting a few second passports in a more affordable way. Yeah, you know, that's why I didn't end up going either was because I'm not a seven or eight figure entrepreneur either. And I was kind of like, I don't know if it's worth it for me where I'm at. Did you feel like the conference was still valuable even though you weren't at that level? 100%. Yeah, without a doubt. Because I can apply what I learned from the conference like right now today on my own dime. You know, I'm very familiar with the expatriate lifestyle, the nomad lifestyle, whereas I'd say 99% of the individuals there were very successful entrepreneurs. Some of them were newly minted Bitcoin millionaires. Some of them were old, the older guard who have gotten where they are through brick and mortar in America, and they're trying to figure out a way to keep their money. So at most of the, you know, the breakfast and lunch tables, I was the guy who's been living it without the money. And they're the people with the money trying to figure out how to live it. So yes, like I got the information I needed to maybe my strategy right now. I mean, Andrew really kind of emphasizes the three prong strategy. You know, he wants you to get your residency or your citizenship one place, register your business in another, and then create a bank bank account system in another country. So you're kind of covered on all fronts in case something collapses somewhere. And um, he's not very bullish on the American economy, as I started realizing that a lot of the individuals there were kind of had the same sentiments. So, you know, for me, I'm thinking, you know, residency in Mexico, maybe a business in Puerto Rico, and then um, bank accounts. I haven't decided yet, but that's kind of where my head's at. 
So most people there weren't nomadic. Most of them were people who had the cash, but were kind of like looking to enter the quote unquote nomad type of life. Not even just nomad, just I think most were there trying to figure out a way to keep their money, you know, because a lot of them, like I said, have just made millions of dollars on Bitcoin. Like a lot of these young people are in their 20s and they're trying to figure out a way to keep it without giving it all to the government. So they were there strictly. I think most of them were there to try to figure out how to keep their money. There was also quite a few looking to live a different lifestyle, you know, move to Portugal, get the golden visa. Um, it was very much, I think, taxes first, lifestyle second. And what was like the setup of the event? I saw some pictures. I saw a little bit of uh, you were posting some behind the scenes stories uh, on your Instagram uh, during it. But what was the event like? Like, where was it? What was the setup like? Walk us through uh, the order of events, so to say. It was beautifully curated. I mean, Andrew and his team did an exceptional job. It was held at the Hyatt, the Grand Hyatt here in Playa del Carmen, which is a beautiful hotel. You didn't have to stay on the premises. Obviously, they suggested it just for networking purposes. Way out of my price range it was like two or three hundred dollars a night. I stayed across the street in an Airbnb for twenty dollars a night, and um, went to breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which they provided, and. In between that, we had, you know, very long sessions. What I really liked about what he did, rather than bringing a ton of speakers, he actually let his staff kind of talk in most of um, the areas in which he was covering. Since they live it every day, they do it every day, and they help the individuals that hire him. So I really liked it because you were getting the information from the people who were most educated on each subject in the current, you know, climate of most of these countries. You know, talking about investments in Phnom Penh, real estate investments in Phnom Penh, uh, Cambodia, or like real estate investments in like Cairo, you know, places I would have never even thought to invest, but they're like emerging markets. He's, you know, thinking that they could be a place to maybe park some money or, you know, Airbnb. And then he had the speakers there who are on his staff. He's got <laughs> all of his staff are female and they're all very attractive, which is kind of funny, but um, they're all highly highly intelligent and very well versed in what they're doing so i really appreciate that and the, the speakers he did bring in just to speak you know they had roger ver or roger ver bitcoin billionaire they say i'm not sure um they had roger uh, robert kiyosaki and then they had like the president of georgia like three incredible speakers that i got a lot from and um yeah, the day-to-day -day, like i said just breakfast then we just go into sessions you know 30 minute speakers the whole day till lunch, um, tons of networking opportunity and just constantly pushing you to think about like, why are you here? What are you trying to get out of this? Because he then does a great job of citing all the misconceptions of the lifestyle of how this actually works. You know, this isn't easy. This is very strategic. Your strategy that we implement might not work, you know? So he really did a good job just covering all those bases and giving people a holistic view on what this is about and what they're going to undertake if they choose to use his services or dive into this lifestyle. Yeah, it's the, so the president of Georgia that was there, he's not the current president. He's like the ex-president a few presidencies back, I guess you would say. I don't know if you've read it into his background but the guy can write a book and uh it would be like the most interesting book in the world like 
he like did all this stuff, all these things in Georgia, then was like, for whatever reason, like banished from Georgia. He ended up like running some part of like the Ukrainian government. Then he was like admitted back into Georgia. It was this whole thing where I was like reading it and I don't have enough like background information to really understand like why that's happening or like what was happening. But I was just like reading this and I'm like, this is like a spy novel, you know, <laughs> like a person's like life. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I'm sure it was a, an interesting individual to hear speak, but what was the price of the ticket? If you don't mind sharing for, uh, anybody who didn't get to see that out there, um, you know, if they weren't aware that this was even happening. Right. I think initially when he first launched, it was like 12 to $1,500. Um, that didn't include, I think the price of accommodations, um, at the hotel or anything like that. That was just access for the, you know, it started Wednesday night for a cocktail party and ended late in the day, Saturday. So that's like, you know, two and a half full days really. Um, and then up towards the end like, if you were getting last minute tickets, people were paying $4,000 just for access. So what were some of the areas or topics covered? Because I think what's, if anybody's listening to this and they're familiar with the nomad capitalist content, right? If they've watched the YouTube channel, maybe they've like seen the book flying around. My thing would be like, what was covered at this event that hasn't been covered in the videos that I think they post daily. So like, what do you think was different about the content uh, at this event as opposed to the content that Andrew and his team put out regularly? Uh, I don't, watch every single video he puts out, but I would imagine 99% of what was covered at the conference is covered in his videos. I mean, that's kind of what we do as, you know, digital marketers, we give all of our stuff away for free. And then if you want to come to one of our events, we just condense it for you. And then you're paying for the networking opportunities as well. So, you know, for anybody who follows him religiously, you're probably getting most of the information, but I don't follow him religiously. So I can't say for sure. That's just what I do with my content creation. I think it's kind of a common thing in most month, most content creators online. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, him, you know, he's very much about go where you're treated best, uh, having a three prong strategy in case, you know, like the country you come from collapses, you want to have residencies or citizenships in other countries. Maybe one day your banks say, hey, you can't come take your money out, which has happened in the past in America. Like you want to have access to capital cash in other countries that you can access. And then um, trying to keep as much money as you make, you know, like as an American citizen, what I really learned is like the best case scenario for me is minimizing my tax responsibility. Like the U.S. government has their fingers in every single country and they charge banks in every single country and they get information from banks in every single country. And it's like, there is no more trying to hide your money. Not that I was trying to do that in the first place, but like, it's, if you're an American citizen, like you are fully attached to America for life. The best way you can get out of it is by denouncing your citizenship, which is what Andrew did along with like Roger Ver. They've both chosen to expatriate themselves from the U S completely. And I'm imagining they keep, you know, probably 99% of everything they make at this point. Yeah. I mean, I know that the United States is, I think, one of few countries, although it's a growing list of countries that essentially like 
doesn't care where you are. As long as you're a citizen, you are being taxed by them. Um, and the way that I've always looked at it, because, you know, I do have a Bulgarian citizenship. So theoretically speaking, I could at any point say like, all right, I'm done with the United States. Uh, I want to be a Bulgarian citizen only and kind of get some tax breaks there. But the way that I look at it, I guess I would say is that because of that U.S. citizenship, we do get benefits, right? Like just in, in talking about uh, a simple one would be that no country in the world has the travel points schemes that the United States does. And if you know how to game that system, you know, that's one thing to look at. I think there's ways to do it without having citizenship. But uh, another thing would be that the United States is, in my opinion, still one of the best countries for business, especially high tech uh, business. So there are benefits around that, but I definitely understand people who decide to not go down that road and do revoke um, their U.S. citizenship. What was your like favorite talk uh, out of all of all of the days, and why? Uh, well, Roger Ver was super interesting to hear his perspective on one why he denounced his citizenship, and then you know where he thinks crypto is going. I'm not well versed in crypto. I don't play in the crypto game at all. I'm interested in learning more about it. So he was it was really cool to hear his perspective because everyone is so like raw raw Bitcoin. And the guy owns Bitcoin.com, but he's he's not all about Bitcoin, you know, even though he he loves cryptocurrency. But as he stated, like, I don't know if Bitcoin's the future, um, the president of Georgia as well. I mean, the conference itself is very kind of libertarian orientated, like a lot of people there have more of a libertarian philosophy. And so they brought in the ex-president of Georgia because he applied kind of what they perceive as a libertarian ideal to Georgia and it worked. So they use him as an example of like, see if like, if there's less government and like we do it, like he did it, like America could be such a better place for it. Cause everyone's like, Oh, we're turning so socialist and America's crumbling. Like, I don't agree with all that. I kind of agree with your sentiments as well. Like America is still a land where if you come and you put in the effort, like, the sky's the limit. You can do a lot of great things. So those two uh, those two speakers stand out a lot. I mean, and Andrew's wife was super cute as well. They call her Mrs. H. I don't know her first name. Uh, she talked about dating in Eastern Europe, which I thought was, and she's just super cute, funny, captivated, I think, the whole audience. So that was fun. Well, as, as an Eastern European, I'm curious, what were her points about Eastern European dating? She went into like using apps like Tinder and stuff like that. And from the, the countries that she's surrounded by and being Russian, um, what that really means as of say a Western man going into those cultures. And I forget exactly which, um, if it was like Serbia or something like that, but she's talking about like girls there don't want to have anything to do with you because you're American, you know, they want, and I'm, I might be wrong in, in the country that she was referencing, but, um, but if you come to Russia, like there's a lot of Russian girls who want to date you, you know? And just the different things to think about. Because, I mean, I guess from a Western male point of view, and I have been to places like Colombia, there's a lot of guys who, once they make money, they go to these countries trying to find that beautiful, hot wife that can, you know, either they could fall in love with and then show off to their friends or whatever it may be. So, I mean, there is kind of a market for this kind of knowledge and understanding, like, where to go to get that perfect 10 or that that wife that you've always dreamed of. Yeah, and I think like beyond, uh, I think it is interesting that dating and 
I guess what you'd say, this is a really antiquated word for this, but like courtship is different in different parts of the world, right? Like we as like a Western society believe that this is how it's going to go. And like, you know, we've seen the movies and like we think, you know, it's all the same everywhere. But as somebody who comes from an East European background, like it is different. And so that is something that's important to know if, you know, wherever you go, if you are single, whether you're a man or a woman, like I do think it's important to know that the courtship kind of process can work differently, right? Like in some parts of the world, people may be more reserved or more conservative and they're not willing to like, you know, just go out with anyone or whatever it may be. So I do think that is good information for people who, um, you know, know about it, especially because more and more people, I think as remote work becomes more popular and because of that, more people become nomadic, you're going to obviously also have more people starting to date in other parts of the world. So I do think that that's important um, knowledge. What were your biggest takeaways? Like what were the things that you sort of like walked away from the event and you were thinking, I am going to apply this right now? I think getting my Mexican residency, the thinking very seriously about, you know, register, uh, incorporating my business in Puerto Rico, uh, as it starts to grow and realizing that it's a strategy, it's a complex strategy. There is not a simple solution. Like, oh, there's not one thing fits all for everybody. And so taking the time to really think about what you want within life, you know, how, how you want to structure your business is super important. And also thinking about it in a way that you have to defend yourself, you know, in a lot of ways from, you know, governments, banks or businesses, they don't care about you, you know, and diversifying your portfolio in a way that like, if the economy collapses in America, you have the capability to one, get across the border. And this is kind of more doomsday, but like, you know, you do have the ability to go someplace where you have a residency and get cash out of a bank, you know, and that was definitely something that was, was driven home a lot throughout the whole conference. I am somebody who actually, I, like, I mean, people who've listened to this podcast um, or have watched me on YouTube or have talked to me or whatever, like, I'm a very, I, I push people pretty heavily on the getting a second citizenship. Because, like, you said it's a doomsday kind of scenario where you might have to get across the border, but, like, it might not be doomsday. Like, it, it it's not like it hasn't happened before. Like, as a Bulgarian, as a, you know, Bulgaria was a country where at one point we were like under, you know, the Soviet Union kind of rule, like we weren't part of the Soviet Union, but they kind of dictated what we did uh, along with like the Communist Party. And so the Bulgarians who had another passport and could escape, escaped and went to the West and they were able to kind of like continue progressing in their lives. And I mean, there are entire, you know, a generation and a half or so that their life stopped and they couldn't get out of Bulgaria. So I am, even if you think that it is like a doomsday thing, even if you think that, hey, you know what? No, I'm happy in the United States or Canada or England or wherever you're listening to this from. And I don't plan on living long term anywhere else. It doesn't matter. It's still a good idea to have that fallback plan and you're going to get benefits from it anyways. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I think it's interesting what you're saying about having money and kind of what they pushed on uh, in other places. Because for me, those are the two important things are like, I want to know that if something happens, I can get across the border 
safely and easily. And then the thing that gives me a lot of calm in that scenario is like, even if I don't have a ton of money planted outside of the United States, to me, having a well-developed entrepreneurial skill set tells me that no matter what, I'm going to be able to figure it out because like, I can go out there. I can understand what sort of problems people are having and I can, you know, do something to make money. If that makes sense. Was there, did you feel like there was like an, like an entrepreneurial push in the, uh, event or like, were like you said, most people were like crypto or like were the rest of them business owners. So was there like an entre, like an entrepreneurial feeling over the whole event? 100%. I don't think there was anybody there who was an employee. They were all entrepreneurs in some way, shape, or form. And a lot of them were very successful. And they were, and then, you know, Robert Kiyosaki there, he's like, kind of wrapped up his whole talk, which is like, well, the best way to protect yourself is to create your own asset that you can generate cash flow from. And from a digital nomad perspective, you know, online entrepreneurship is the best way to do that because you could park your computer anywhere at any time and be making money. So for me, that really resonated. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't imagine there'd be a lot of, I, I feel like the entrepreneurial is like step one. And then the kind of things that Andrew talks about are like kind of like the step two of the game, if that makes sense. Um, would you, I'm curious, would you go to another one? Like, would you, like if they were to do like Nomad Capitalist Live 2, would you go to it? Or do you feel like at this point you, you wouldn't, like it's like a one and done sort of thing or... I think that's a good, great, great question that Andrew actually addressed in the conference because he's like, I've done my four of these now and I stopped for a long time because I kept seeing the same faces coming every year and they weren't taking action. And that kind of also rang home for me where it's like, I love the conference, but thinking about me already kind of understanding the nomad lifestyle and how to do this kind of on my own, I didn't necessarily think I needed to go back next year if he hosts another one. In the future, you know, say if I get to a seven or eight figure level and I don't really want to sit, say, in a country and, and do it like because you can you can go to any country and sit there long enough and get, you know, your residency and passport for 99 percent of the countries out there. But that's a time variable that by the time I maybe reach seven or eight figures, I might not want to deal with and I want to pay for his services. So, yeah, maybe I'd go back and utilize the services and and, and speed up that process. So was there like at the event, do you feel like, because I, I think with most events, most courses, things like this, like that's always going to be the biggest problem is that people just kind of like watch it more for entertainment and they never take action. Like that's one of like the big issues in our industry, so to say, is like no one takes action, right? Um, so do you feel like at, like at the event you got the information that you can then take action on? Because like I, I do know that it's, I mean, the easiest thing would be to just hire his team or another company that does those services. But if you're at like a lower income level, it's more difficult to hire somebody to do that. So you kind of need to do it yourself. Did they kind of walk you through how to do it yourself if you wanted to? No, no, it wasn't like, okay, if you can't afford us, here's how you get your Mexican residency on your own. No, of course not. Um, it's just like, if you want to do it, you can, it's not, it's not hard as they say, but you know, me having lived in Nicaragua, like I understand this works. You go find a lawyer, you pay the lawyer to help you, you know, speed this process along the, the red tape sucks. Cause you know, everyone's like, oh, it's this fee. And then you get there and it's another fee. And it's like, just takes a year, a lot of your time 
and I'm usually more money than you expected, but you know, Andrew's not, his services are not cheap. So ultimately for someone like me, it's going to be a lot cheaper in the end if I just did it on my own, but no, they did not take me step-by-step through how to get my Mexican residency. Yeah. And I think like one of the other big benefits to going an event like this would be, like you said, a lot of the people there were pretty like high net worth individuals. So if you had a business that would benefit from that networking, I could see why a, you would go there once, but also kind of like keep going over and over again. Were you able to get any sort of networking that you think would be beneficial for your business? Uh, and what sort of um, person do you think that the networking that happened at the event would be good for in terms of like business? His audience is my audience for my podcast. So from that perspective, like everybody that sat down and heard my story was instantly in my mind, probably going to be a fan of misfits and rejects, you know, about the lifestyle design of expatriates, these types of people. So from that perspective to grow my brand, yes, like this was an amazing event, but to like, say, do a deal, you know, where someone says like, oh, well, you're in this industry and I'm in this industry, let's marry our knowledge and create something bigger. No, I didn't have that experience, but I did see a lot of people seemingly make deals. Like that seemed to be something that was always happening at breakfast, lunch, and dinner tables outside of the conference afterwards. Like there was definitely people like, oh, let's talk. And then sharing their knowledge about the industry that they're in. Really, it was mostly real estate, I think. The whispers of the conversations that I heard going on, it's like, I'm invested here. This is how I can help. These are the kind of returns that I'm getting. If you want to invest as well, let's talk. Mm. So you would say that like, if you were to recommend, like who would you recommend this conference to like would you recommend it the most for people who are invested in real estate or more for like people who are in like a service online business you know amazon fba that sort of i think online real estate direction. investors like international real estate investors are going to get the most out of this that's where andrew focuses his money in investing in real estate around the world um, he's very well versed in it and I would say if yeah, you're a real estate investor in America and you want to branch out into international real estate to hedge your bets, yeah, this is for you 100%. Mm. Awesome. Well, Chapin, was there anything else that we sort of didn't cover about this, uh, you know, conference or the experience or anything like that that you want to, you know, talk about? I'd just like to say that, you know, Andrew is a pro and he comes across as a pro, but that's that's like for a lot of us who do this that's how we market ourselves but getting to meet him in person like he is so focused and obsessed with this type of work that he's doing like whether he was helping people expatriate themselves and get foreign citizenships he would he would be doing this on his own no matter what and that's one thing i took away like this guy is not just some like smoke and mirror show like he is 100% completely obsessed with this kind of lifestyle developing this lifestyle and helping other people find a way to enjoy this lifestyle and sitting down with him for five minutes, you can really see like there's nothing else on his mind other than his next passport, his next investment. And when he was on stage with his experts, the individuals he trusts to go get the information about, you know, real estate investment in Cairo, he would correct them at times and be like, Oh no, you know, that's going to cost this amount and take this amount of time. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, you're right about that. So, that was another thing that struck me is like the guy is the head of, he's the head of his business, which, and he's not even the CEO. He has a CEO of his business. 
Um, but he's like the puppet master. Like the guy is just, he knows everything about everything. What were some of the locations that I know you've mentioned a few, you said, you know, Cairo, Puerto Rico is always going to get mentioned as Phnom Penh. I can never say Phnom Penh. Were there any other like locations that were discussed in terms of like, hey, keep an eye on these as like emerging destinations, either for investment or for like, hey, these are like nice up and coming places that you might enjoy uh, if you're into this lifestyle? The Cairo and the Phnom Penh are the ones that just jumped out at me because that's my style. Like I like those kind of environments. I like taking those kind of risks, whether you or you, whether you think it's a risk traveling or investment wise. Like that's where my I gravitate towards. That a lot of the Eastern European countries, he's very bullish on for sure, and uh, he has his reasons for that. Um, Africa was talked about a little bit, but it was talked about um, I think by somebody else, another panel speaker, and. I don't remember anything standing out there, but again, like the markets like Nigeria are blowing up. Like those are super interesting to me as well. Uh, but that wasn't as well covered throughout the conference. I think with Africa, the interesting thing is I've read some reports that say that something like, and I'm going to butcher this, but something like four out of the 10 largest city by the year 2050 will be in Africa which is insane to think about. So I've always thought about like, okay, knowing that, what can you do now in order to like profit from it, you know, in 30 years or whatever. So uh, I'm, I'm not surprised they covered that. I've always been interested of like, where would be the opportunity there? Because obviously if you're buying up like massive amounts of land in those cities that are expected to grow, okay, that's easy enough. But like, what are like the, the smaller investment opportunities there that like people like you and I can sort of play in like that's you know that's kind of like an interesting topic yeah one of his strategies or just what he does that I found interesting because I don't think he shares it as openly is like what he's doing his real estate investments is he's not like doing this for Airbnb purposes like he's parking chunks of capital into nice apartment buildings um, or into an apartment in an apartment building and just like it's like there for him when he wants it you know, it's not necessarily that he's trying to make money off it, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, there are people who are looking for investments, you know, say in Turkey right now who want to turn it into an Airbnb, you know, in one of the central cool locations. Um, obviously, you're for many people's fears who don't understand that kind of investment, like, well, how am I going to manage it? Like, and there's obviously a lot of services out there. You want to find the most reputable ones. So he did go into a lot of detail about those types of ways to approach each market from a real estate perspective that I thought was really interesting. And then he, he was, you know, pretty forthright with, with what he's doing and, and why he's making certain decisions. All right, Chapin. Well, thank you so much, man, for coming by. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and, uh, you know, kind of give us a little overview of uh, how the event was and, you know, what you thought about it. But thank you so much for coming by, man. Uh, I really appreciate it. And next time I see you, uh, I hope that we get to surf together, brother.